You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges Nashville is a church plant in the heart of Music City, meeting at the Listening Room Cafe in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Here's this week's message. You can have a good sermon today. Give me a hand clap to encourage me. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you guys are awesome. So once again, my name's Adonis Lindsay. I'm the lead pastor here. Just excited to see all that God has going on at Bridges Nashville here. If you're watching online from around the world, as many of you do, D, I saw you watching online. Give our online family, thank you guys so much for always tuning in with us. And we're going to continue on. We've been in this series. We kicked it off last week. It's called Stories of Faith. Was anybody here last week as we talked about Stories of Faith? I just kind of felt like going into this season that God wanted to stir our faith. When you uh, turn on the news, I mean, no, it's easy to get depressed when you see what's going on in our world sometimes. Amen? Amen. 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 It's easy to see that this world has changed. From what, and so I believe that God is still on the throne. I believe that God is still amazing. I believe that God is still looking for people. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, are you a people? Now, if you are a people, God is still looking to use people to bring about effective change in our world today. And we've been diving into some stories in the Bible. They're not there just to entertain us, but I believe they're there to encourage us, to inspire us, and to cause us to remember, everybody say remember, to remember that The same God that they served is the same God that we served, and that God can find you anywhere and empower you to bring about change, but I believe we must have our faith stirred. Has anybody ever went through a season where your faith was shaken? Like, whoa, well, God, I thought you was there. Can I be real today? We've all had those moments where, God, you told me, and I thought you were going to And the only thing is we thought he was going to do it in our time, the way we wanted it done, when we wanted it done, exactly how we wanted it done. But I know that's not how God works and operates. God is still there, but there are seasons that can shake our faith. There's things that can happen in this world, and we wonder, God, are you there? That's just reality. When tragedy hits home. People's faith is shaken. This is where we got to dive back into the word of God to allow God to rebuild our faith. Amen? So as we talked last week, we talked about a very familiar passage of scripture, a story, David and Goliath. Everybody knows David and Goliath. We talked about, you know, Goliath came out and, and he challenged the armies of God. But this young teenage boy, David, steps out on the scene and uh, he tells the king, don't worry, I'll go out and fight this Philistine. And the rest of God's army, they were afraid. They were, they were at a standstill. And for 40 days, they let this giant come out and taunt the army of God. And David steps out on the scene. And I love the question David asks. He goes, he goes how, is it, how is he allowed to do this? That's a whole different kind of perspective. Everybody else was like, well, he's been doing it for 40 days. We kind of just let him do it, you know? I mean, it's easy to get in that rut thinking you're powerless. Whatever will be, will be. Well, that's just the way it is. 
But I'm telling you, when you've got the power of God on your side, you don't have to settle for that's just the way it is. And David wasn't going to settle for that's just the way it is. David said, how is he allowed to defy the army of God? And once again, David goes out to battle, and he grabs a bow and arrow and shoots the giant. Okay, I just want to make sure some people were paying attention. I know you're watching online, you're like, okay, he's, he's not even correct with his theology right now. Let's tune him up. <laughs> so David, David told Saul, I'm going to go out and fight with him. And he grabs five smooth stones and puts them in a slingshot. And he hurls that stone and it hits that giant right in the forehead. The only place where his armor does not uh, cover. And I said, I think I said last week, I don't care where he would have flung the stone. I believe an angel would have grabbed it if he had threw it up sideways, backward, down. An angel would have grabbed it and placed it where it needed it to be. Amen? Amen. Yes, yes. Thank you for that hand clap, brother. I, I'm in the right place right now. Got my amen corner over here. <laughs> so the giant fell, and this is where I want to bring it in as we talk about and celebrate Father's Day. And the title of this message is, Who's Your Daddy? Look at your neighbor and say, Who's Your Daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You know, that's a, that's a phrase you, you hear thrown out in society. Uh, but I'm going to bring it all. Everybody think this is a secular preacher. No, I'm going to bring it all together for you guys here in a moment. Who's your daddy? 1 Samuel 17, we catch back up in this story of faith. And it says this, as Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine. Everybody say Philistine. Just want to make sure you're with me. He asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? Whose son is this young man? In other words, who's his daddy? I really don't know, Abner declared. Verse 56, well, find out who he is, the king told him. There's something this king wanted to know. He saw, he saw David in, in battle, and, and he's looking at this youth, and he's like, He's like, I need to know who his daddy is. There's something about this teenage boy because he, he, he outfought everybody in my army. They weren't even fighting. So Saul has made this connection. I know he was, he was a king as we get through this where, where God had already rejected him. But, but Saul was a man and, and he was a father. And, and he made a connection there. He saw this courageous young man. Do something that nobody else had the guts to do, had the faith to do. And he was adamant about, I need to know who his father is. Now, the message uh, Bible says it this way. The king said, well, find out the lineage of this raw youth. Everybody say lineage. Now, that goes back to Saul. It's like, well, if you don't know who his daddy is, well, at least find out the lineage. I need to, if you don't know his daddy, let's see if we can find his, his granddaddy, his great-granddaddy. I need to know where this, this courage and this faith has come from. Where this, this, this young man of war. And when I think about that, guys, it, it, it really puts us in a position whether we had a good earthly father or not, but we've got a heavenly father that's, that's our lineage, Amen. We come from God, and if we come from God, it, it really tells us that, that, that we can do the impossible because God is our heavenly father. But I want to go back to, he says, find out the lineage of this raw 
youth, the lineage. Saul is, Saul is saying, I'm trying to figure out who has influenced this young man. Have you, ever, have you ever looked out at today's society and you're like, I wonder who's influencing this generation? Have your kids ever hung out with somebody that, and they came home talking a different kind of way? And, and what's your question? Who have you been hanging out with? Who's influencing you? And Saul is trying to figure out who has influenced this young man. And he starts with the most logical, as Dr. Spock would say, the most logical reasoning is it must be his father. Find out who this boy's daddy is. And he goes, I need to find out the lineage. And when I think about lineage, and, and I'm a storyteller. Can I tell you all a story of my great-grandfather real quick? So uh, my great-grandfather, when I talk about lineage, and, and uh, you know, sometimes people will, will uh, say something about you. And, and one of the things, um, I, I believe this about myself as well, is I, I'm a hard worker. I like, if it needs to be done, I'm going to get it done. Amen. And uh, 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 Pastor Patrick, we were, we were joking uh, because, you know, before service, we've got to come and we've got to go pick up all of our equipment. And so, many times I beat them to it because I just, I love to just get in there and do it and get it done. And he's like, man, you, you got your workout already. It's like, I'm just, I, I just get it done. And uh, a lot of that comes from, from my lineage. And I think about a story that my, uh, my dad told me about my great-grandfather. His name is Washington Harrison. His first name was Washington, and my middle name is Washington. That's where I get my middle name, Adonis Washington Lindsay. You learned something today, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Adonis Washington Lindsay. And so my dad was telling me this story about him, and this was way back in many, 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 many years ago. And there was a moment in time where he, he lost his job, and he didn't cry, he didn't moan, groan, and complain. Uh, this, was, this was back in days where uh, there was still a lot of segregation going on and, and racism going on. And, and he did, he knew he wanted to provide for his family. He knew he was going to do that. And so he's beating down doors trying to find a job. Couldn't find a job. So one day he found out that there was a, a rice plant in walking distance. And when I say walking distance, I'm not talking about around the block. I'm talking about 10 miles uphills both ways. Amen? That's walking distance. We, we think walking distance today, oh, if it's not around the block, I'm not going. It's got to be right across the street or I'm not going to go there. But he found a, a uh, heard there was a rice plant uh, miles away from his home. And so he got up one morning and he packed the lunch, put it in his lunch pail, and he marched out to that rice plant and went up, and, and as he walked in, people were looking at him all kind of funny ways and saying all kind of things, and he found out who the, who the foreman was, and he went up to him and asked him, are you hiring today? And he said, no, get out of here. We're not hiring. We don't need you. And my grandfather didn't walk away. He stood his ground, and the way he stood his ground, he walked up on the hillside, and he stood there, and he watched him as they were working. When the, when the lunch... Uh, a whistle went off, and they took a lunch break. He sat down and opened up his lunch pail, and he began to eat his lunch. When the whistle blew and they went back to work, he closed his lunch pail, and he stood back up at attention and just looked down at the crowd. Now, he didn't just do that for 
one day. He did that for a couple of weeks. Every day, walking miles, packing a lunch, not talking to anybody, facing ridicule, and some of the workers are looking up there, calling him all kind of things from A to Z. Lunch whistle blew, sat down, opened up his pail, ate his lunch. Time to go back to work, closed it, stood at attention. Finally, Rick, a couple of weeks later, the foreman leaves the rest of the people that are working and walks up to the hill. He looks my great-grandfather in the eye and says, you, you want to work, don't you? He said, yes, sir. He hired him. My great-grandfather went down, outworked everybody in that plant. Couple weeks, guess who was the foreman's right-hand man? My great-grandfather. And I tell that story because he was a God-fearing man. I mean, it takes faith to stand when nothing is happening. It takes faith to do the same thing over and over for days, being ridiculed, laughed at, being talked about. But when you know there's something that needs to be done, it will drive you through the persecution because you've got a faith. My grandfather had a faith that God was going to do something. And I love that because I draw from that today. That's part of my lineage. I'm, I'm saying all that to say this. That's, you can look back and find part of your lineage. I tell my, my kids today, and we're, we're in this mode of you, you guys are going to be strong children. You're going to have to stand for God and not be afraid. That's part of our lineage. And Saul was trying to figure out there's something about this young man that I know it came from somewhere. Isn't that awesome? I don't care how good you are, how good you think you are, or how, how, how much you can do. That came from somewhere. You, 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 just, you, weren't, you didn't gift yourself. You didn't just give yourself these natural gifts or these tendencies or, or uh, some of your smart, just easily can grab things and educate. You didn't, no, that came from somewhere. And Saul is understanding there's somebody that's a part of this young man's lineage that I need to know. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Give me a hand clap to encourage me. I love to be encouraged as well to keep me going and motivated. And How's it sounding up there, Luke? Luke's our sound guy. Matt's up there. Y'all give them a hand clap. Love our team. They're just awesome. Verse 57. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hand. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. So Saul is still inquisitive. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, his name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. His name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. Now, I want to I stop right there because it's Father's Day, and, and there's fathers and mothers in here. Uh, but I love that because, because this is a young man that is about to give a report about his father. Saul said, tell me about your father. Tell me about your father. 
Now, as, as dads, and I love being a dad, but, but this, is a, this is a powerful statement here. I'd like to break it down this way. Whether you're a dad or a mom or you're a person of influence, I believe, I believe even if people don't have children, God still called them to influence other generations. We can pour into that younger generation. But if you're a dad and mom today, I want you to think about this. If your kids, this is like a hypothetical thing, okay? So, but it's going to make you think. You're going to think about this one even after you leave service today, I guarantee you. So, if your kids were being interviewed, let's say this was years down the road. Let's say you'd gone on to heaven or you're about to go into heaven or you've lived a long life, you're older, and if your kids were being interviewed and someone sat down with your children and said, tell me about your father or mother, but you cannot mention their profession, their job, or what they did for a living. If they interviewed your children and said, hey, tell me what you, what you like most about mom or dad, but you cannot mention their job, their profession, or what they did for a living. What would you want their response to be? That's big. That's deep. That'll make you think. What would you want your kids to say about you? Some would say, well, I, I just want them to say, dad, mom, spend time with me. Whatever that is that you would want them to respond, then that's a good indication for something for you to do. Amen? Take advantage of that. What would you want their response to be? Now, here's the truth of it is. Now, if you, if you read your Bible, I mean, I mean, no, sometimes the Bible can be vague. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Jesse, David's dad. Tells us a lot about David, right? But not much about Jesse. Now, what do we know about David's relationship with his father? Well, the first thing we do know, David worked for his father. We know there was some type of, some type of working relationship. We know that. How do we know that? Well, a couple things. If you were with me last week, you know, Jesse told David hey, I need you to, to go take uh, your brothers some cheese, some food, and check on them because they're at the battle. Well, they weren't really fighting, but David went to go check on them, and the Bible says that, that David left the sheep with a keeper before he just... So he's a responsible person, amen? He's working for his dad, and then we also know he's working for his dad when... when he told Saul, I'm going to go out and fight this giant. Saul says, you're not able to do it. And David tells him the story about the lion and the bear. And he goes, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes, but I go out after it and I kill it. So we do know he had a working relationship with his father. Now, has anybody ever had a working relationship with a parent or uh, any, any spouses, you have a working relationship. How do you know there's a lot of conflict that can come out of a family working relationship? 
And see, nobody wants to say amen on that one because you could be sitting right. I, I'm getting these strange looks right now, Rick. People are like, okay, what do I say? It's tough. Now, now me and my wife, we'd be the first to tell you when we're doing projects together, that can be challenging because my wife jumps in there and she just likes to take charge. I'm like, hold can you ask me nicely? Can you not just tell me what to do? You act like I work for you, but then we need to talk about a pay raise then, if that's the case. But she would just get in there and take full charge and do this, do that. And like when it's, when it's cleaning day, like, like full cleaning day. Now, me and the kids, we have an idea of what cleaning day at the house looks like. And to me and the kids, it's pretty good. Okay? It looks clean. You can't see dirt, trash. You can't see our clothes because they're all behind stuff right now. But it's good for company. Now, my wife has a whole different idea of cleaning day. And her cleaning day is she's a drill sergeant. Men, the kids are walking around. I can't believe mom. I'm even saying I can't believe your mother is having us do all this stuff. And, and, but that's, that's working relationship. When it's family, it has a tendency to breed what? Conflict. So we look at this. This is one thing we know about David. He worked for his dad. So was there conflict? Now, here's another thing. David may have been overlooked by his father because of his youth and his size. Mm, now, this is, a, this is a big one here, especially if you're a parent with multiple kids. And you, nobody ever wants to favor their children, do they? But let's be honest. When their personalities are different, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, okay, well, she got something because you were acting crazy. So, you know, you don't want to favor one, but you try to be, you try to be equal, right? And then there's other times where, okay, both of you can, can do this. Well, you didn't clean your room, did you, all this stuff. So we don't want to choose favorites, but the Bible gives us an indication that David may have been overlooked by his father because of his youth and his size. Now, let me, let me go back to scripture to, to, to tell you about that. So uh, when, when God rejected King Saul, and if you've never read this, guys, you got to get back into 1 Samuel 16 and 17, amazing story uh, that is so filled with faith. And God rejected Saul, and he told Samuel, who was the prophet, everybody say prophet. He told Samuel, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse, because there I've chosen my next king. I've sought out a man after my own heart. And he didn't tell him a name. He just said, go down to the house of Jesse and anoint the next king. So Samuel was excited, filled his, his uh, horn with oil. He's about to anoint the next king. So he gets down there and, and Jesse calls seven of his sons to line up before Samuel. How excited do you think Jesse was? The prophet comes down, hey, Jesse, God says one of your boys is the next king. And how many, now you have dad, you're like, yeah, you better believe it. Because I've done a good job. I've trained him to be the next king. He's lying. No. <laughs> but you would have taken credit. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. It doesn't surprise me. It's not surprising me that God sent you here. Because my boys are awesome. He has seven of his boys line up. 
from the tallest to the smallest. But, but these, these, these are young men that could be linebackers in the NFL. These are, these are tall, strong-looking men. They're standing before this prophet. And the prophet's probably, he sees the first one who's the biggest, tallest, and he says, surely this is the one. He didn't even look at the other six. Surely this is the one. This is easy. And God had to teach the prophet. He said, no, no, no. He goes, I've rejected him. He says, he says man looks on the outward appearance. He said, but, but God looks on the heart, the inward. So, so Samuel's like, okay, well, I missed this one. I'm sorry, bro. You're, you're not it. And he goes down the line. Nope, you're not it. Nope, you're not it. Goes, looks at all seven of these men, and none of them, God is told, is the one. Now the prophet's in a dilemma. He's like, either, either I miss God totally. Anybody ever been there? Or Jesse, do you got another son that you don't talk about? What? What? <laughs> do you have any more sons? He's telling Jesse. And I love this. Jesse's like, yeah, I, I, I do. I, I got one more. Let's, let's find this out real quick. 1 Samuel 16, 11. Then Samuel asks, are, are these all the sons you have? Jesse says, they're still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the what? Fields watching the sheep and goats. He's the youngest. Now, wait a minute. The prophet comes to Jesse and said, one of your boys is going to be the next king. He lines up seven brothers, and he doesn't think to go get David. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'd feel a little left out. I, I would feel, that gives us a glimpse, just a small glimpse, of this relationship between his father and son. The one that Saul wanted to know about. Tell me about his father. He doesn't even think to call. He's looking at David like, David, there's no way I'm going to waste this prophet's time by bringing David out here. This is his father. There's no way I'm going to even. No, he, he, he just needs to keep guarding the sheep and the goats. He's good. Samuel. Samuel's like, you, 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 you got to do something here. He said, send for him at once. He showed up. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Not me, David. And, <laughs> and the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. Now, now what we're not seeing here is that there's two fathers on the scene. Two fathers, Rick, on the scene. His earthly father who left him out of the party, but his heavenly father that says this is the one. And I want to remind all of us today, no matter what our relationship, there's many people here today or maybe you're watching online, you had a great relationship with your father. There's many here today watching online, maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your father. There's many people don't even know who their father is, earthly father, or maybe felt rejection 
disappointment. But we have hope in this story that there's always two fathers on the scene. Earthly father left him out. The heavenly father says, this is the one. This is the one. And we understand that David had developed a relationship with his heavenly father. Can you imagine the times that Jesse left him out keeping the sheep and the goats? See, it's, 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 I come across people that say, well, I feel, I feel left out, or, or dad didn't do this, or mom didn't do this. And, and the Bible says when, when, when father and mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. I mean, he will step in as your heavenly father. And in this moment, you can only imagine how many times was David out keeping the sheep and the goats when other stuff was going on. He got left out of the battle. And the only reason he got involved in the battle because his dad said, hey, I need you to run an errand and go take them some food. But David stepped on the scene with his heavenly father. But even in those moments where he's keeping the sheep and the, and the goats, you can only begin to fathom in your mind that somewhere David developed a strong relationship with God. Amen. He developed a strong relationship. 1 Samuel 13, now I'm going to back you up. Everybody say, back it on up. Back it up. Here we go, 1 Samuel 13. And uh, we're getting ready to close in just a little bit here. Y'all stay with me. Is this helping anybody? Come on, is this, it's helping me. It's helping me. 1 Samuel 13, this is where Samuel is, is rejected. And, and go back and read that later, but for, for time's sake, I'll just give you a snippet. Uh, excuse me, Saul was rejected as king, and Samuel is kind of, kind of disappointed in that because Saul was the first king that, that he anointed. Like, Saul was the one in the beginning. David, re- I mean, God rejected him because of his disobedience, and, and now Samuel is kind of sad, but then God catches up. With Samuel. 1 Samuel 13, starting at 13 verse. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Samuel's talking to Saul like if you if you just obeyed God, he would establish your kingdom forever. Verse 14. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man. After his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. So this was before David went to the battle. This was before Goliath fell. This was in the midst, I believe strongly, this is when that relationship formed with God and David when David was on the backside of a mountain and had conflict with the lion and the bear. Because you know you don't kill a lion and a bear on your own. If you do, we'll pray for you after service. So you're, you're totally misled. But in that moment, David spent a lot of alone time with God, developing that heavenly relationship with his father. And I believe in those moments, guys, as we even celebrate and honor fathers today here in Nashville, those that are watching around the world online, 
But this is where we all have to know that we're connected to a heavenly father. Even if you face with family members or people that don't believe in you, there's a heavenly father who will make sure you get to the right place at the right time. Amen? Can you imagine God working behind the scenes? Oh, y'all tried to leave my boy out, but this is all part of my plan. You, you left him out of the battle, but, but, but you know, I can uh, probably God send angels to prompt Jesse, hey, you need to have David deliver some food there. I mean, God orders your steps. Your heavenly father orders your steps. And I believe somewhere in the midst of this relationship or David and Jesse is when God stepped in. I'm not saying Jesse was a bad father, evil father. I'm just simply saying that David's relationship with God overpowered his relationship with Jesse. Does that make sense? It was more valuable. He didn't step out there in the name of Jesse to defeat Goliath. (laughs) He stepped out in the name of the Lord to defeat this giant over his life. And I believe when we have that relationship, when we have that uh, relationship with our, our Heavenly Father, uh, he'll connect you back to things. And I'm going to close with this. Y'all let me tell one more story. Can I tell one more story? Yes. Y'all sure? Y'all want to hear one more story? Yes. About fathers. So long story short, because it is a long story. My wife can testify to that. But it's a long story. So uh, over the years, uh, just with, with my, my natural father, my, my earthly father, uh, was a good man. And him and my mom got divorced when I was 16. I just celebrated my 16th birthday. On my 16th birthday, my dad stopped by the house, and that was the last time I saw him for, what, 30 years, Heather? 30 years I had not laid eyes, not laid eyes on my earthly father for 30 years. I probably talked to him over the phone maybe four times in that time period, but never laid eyes on him. Those were brief conversations. And uh, when me and Heather were dating and we got engaged, and she said, you, she, she said, hey, you need to invite your dad to come to the wedding. I said, I'll, I'll reach out. I'll try to get his phone number and reach out. I reached out and invited him to the wedding. That was 14 years ago. And he, they didn't come to the wedding. And when he, he left my mom and uh, started a new family, and I just, I'd never met his new wife, none of that, for 30 years. And this was about, what, two years ago, Heather? Two years ago, I just really, and it wasn't animosity. I, I wasn't mad. I wasn't, I, I, I would testify to this day, the good qualities that, uh, that I feel like I do have came from my dad. He was a good man in the way he fathered. But uh, him and my mom had problems and led to a divorce. And so I never had any anger issues or anything. When my dad left, that's when God stepped in. Amen. And my mom drugged me to church. I tell people I had a drug problem. She drugged me to church, and there I was. But, but I, I connected with God-fearing men in the church that fathered me and, and, and mentored me. And that was God directing my path. That's when my heavenly father stepped in. I got saved, born again uh, through that. And I just kind of went on and did my life the way God was leading me. And so I never had any animosity or anger issues. I just never connected with my dad again. 
when we had children, that's when God really started getting a hold of me. And about two years ago, I, you, ever, you ever felt really like, not like the Holy Spirit's whispering something, like he's pounding you to do something? Like slapping you a couple times, like you, you better, and you feel this urgency. And I remember telling Heather, I said, I said, I need to reach out to dad. And I said, he needs to lay eyes on my family. Like my children have never met their grandfather. My wife has never met her father-in-law. And two years ago, I called him up. He was living in Vegas uh, with his wife. And I said, dad, I said, we're going to come see you. And it's almost like there was a silence, but then a huge sigh of relief. He said, Adonis, I would love to meet your family. Now, you know, your mind goes, all kind of questions go through your mind. Well, how come you didn't reach out to us? Well, you know, but, but this was God, so I had to put that out of my mind and say, focus on the assignment. And I said, Dad... I said, we're going to fly up there. I said, I just need to know that you're going to be there before we buy these plane tickets, okay? <laughs> I said, you did, just promise me you're going to be there. <laughs> and he said, and he gave me the dates. He goes, we will be here. He said, we will meet you wherever, at the hotel, wherever you are. And, and so we told the kids, we're going to fly to meet granddad. And so it was so... Uh, just a surreal moment. We got to Vegas. We got to the hotel, and we called him up. They were going to come to the hotel, meet us for dinner, and walking out, like I hadn't seen him in 30 years, 30 years. We walked out to the hotel lobby, and there he was with his wife, and like, you ever have those moments where you don't even know what's going on, but you're just kind of walking it out? Didn't even know, but went up, and we just hugged for what seemed like eternity. Then my kids hugged him and my wife hugged him and we had dinner. And even at dinner, it was one of those things, you know, when you know it's a God thing, you don't have to ask the questions like why? Why? The conversation never even steered there. It was more of getting to know my wife and, and the kids and, and, and you know, now, Growing up, I always had a question like, why, you know, God, why have we been so disconnected for 30 years? And I never will forget, you know, my dad said, and I, and I didn't ask him, he just, he just brought this up on his own. He said, he said you know, son, he goes, he goes I've, 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 made, I've dealt with what I've done. And he goes, I wanted to reach out, but he goes, I, 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 I'd see you on social media, and I knew you had done good for yourself. And he goes, I'm so happy that your family's here. And we just had a great time, had several days there, went out with them for several days. And as we were leaving, uh, I, my son looks up at me, we're walking, and because uh, my dad just kept going on, Donald, you have a great family. My son says, you know, he goes, dad, your dad was right. You've got a great family, you know, so he's like. But God out of all these, after all these years, God reconnected me with my earthly father. I don't know where that relationship will go, but I know I did what God told me to do. Amen? And to connect my, my children so they could meet uh, their, their earthly grandfather. But I'm always adamant that they know they've got a heavenly father 
who will be there in moments where maybe I'm not. And if I can leave you with anything today out of this message, moments where you feel like you've been on the backside of a mountain keeping sheep and goats, those are the moments where your heavenly father is building relationship with you. You know, David wrote most of his psalms when he was alone with God. And I believe when we're alone with God and we're building that relationship, there's some great things that are in store for you. Amen. This help anybody. Come on, somebody praise God. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To find out more about us and who we are, check out our website at bridgesnashville.com or find us on social media at Bridges Nashville.